When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. FMC Fast Chat takes you inside the news so you can be in the know in 30 minutes. Hosted by Fair Media Council CEO and Executive Director Jackie Clement, Fast Chat features notables in news, media, and business. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. I'm Jackie Clement, CEO and Executive Director of the Fair Media Council, and this is day one of our annual event, the news conference, Real and Powerful. Today, we focus on national news. Tomorrow, we're focusing on New York regional news. And on Wednesday, we bring things home to my backyard, Long Island, hyperlocal news. Joining me today, three esteemed gentlemen. They've been with us before. Um, we're thrilled to have them back, especially, um, you're probably aware, there's a little bit of news happening in the world, especially this past week. Um, so let me begin just by saying good morning to Tom Brune, who is the Washington Bureau Chief for Newsday. Um, Tom covers the White House, Congress, Supreme Court, and the federal government, and he's been doing it for decades. Robert A. George of Bloomberg. Uh, Robert is an opinion columnist, and he's a, for a member of the editorial board covering government and public policy, and he's also served on the editorial boards of the New York Daily News and the New York Post. And then also, last but certainly not least, we've got Dave Leventhal. Um, we had branded him as the deputy editor at Insider, and I'd be a liar if I introduce him as that right now. Um, because he is now stepping into the role as, of Editor-in-Chief at Ross Story. So good morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So talk to me about, you know, can I place my faith in journalism? Put it that way. Who wants to start? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I guess as a Newsday reporter, I should start, right? And, <laughs> and uh uh, the reality is, is that we didn't do our due diligence and we should have. I mean, that's the bottom line right there. Uh, he ran twice in 2020 and in 2022. Yeah. In 2020, he was such an unknown um, that, uh, uh, and he lost pretty big. And, and it was one of these things. Uh, I noticed from our own reporting now in, in retrospect, uh, we find, uh, you know, the, the Republicans, you know, I, Republicans, you know, they, they have they have their side here, you know, and, and uh, should they have vetted him more? Should they have known who he was or where he was coming from and what he was doing? Maybe, but you ask the, uh, the chairman of the Nassau County Republican Party and he said, well, he was a Queens candidate, you know, so yeah. he bumps it over to Queens, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so, so there's that, and mm -hmm. and I mean, there was there was you know the, actually Newsday's Newsday's editorial page did raise questions about George Santos, particularly where where did he live and and where was he really coming from? So I mean they did some of that, okay? And there was this uh, uh, what, what was the small paper that uh, well, the North Lally Shore Lally, Leader, yeah, Grant Lally runs that, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yes. He, he was a former candidate for that office. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I suspect that he was more than happy to dig into this other guy who was running instead of him. Uh, but uh, so there was that. And, you know, frankly, he was a candidate in Queens. Where was the New York Times? I mean, you know, we can we can we can look at all these different angles. And, and I do think that that uh, journalism in this case did not do its job properly. Uh, but I also think the parties didn't do their job properly. Uh, you know, it would seem to me that the parties would want candidates that they had vetted and that they knew something about. And it seems like the oppo research should have found more of these things than it did. And um, so, you know, there are a lot of uh, checks that did not happen along the way. Uh, now, in terms of what does that mean about news? It is absolutely true that the shrinking of resources for especially newspapers uh, has really hurt some of our coverage. When I came to Washington in 1999, we had 15 reporters in the Washington Bureau. We had a researcher, we had two editors, we had like five columnists, uh, we had a receptionist. That's how big the Bureau was. It's two people right now, right? Mm. Look at the size of, of local news. Every newspaper has shrunk in size, right? There's just not as much space and there's not enough staff to do what we used to do back in our heydays, you know, when, when there was money everywhere back in the 80s and 90s. I mean, you know, th those were the heydays. Uh, so I do think that's a real issue and I wish we could do more. Um, I am heartened by the fact that there are operations like these smaller news outlets and a lot of them on the web now. And, and I see them like popping up everywhere. I mean, here in Washington, it seems like in the past year or two, so many things have popped up. You know, you have Punchbowl, which is this very insidery kind of thing. You've got, you know, Politico, you've got Semaphore now. Um, Puck, and, Puck is uh, another one. Yeah, yeah, Puck. You, I mean, so, so you have all these things coming up and maybe that will fill the gap. And I'm very hopeful that it will. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that. The, the, the cautionary tale there is that um, the, these new media organizations that have that have come up are, in a sense, almost more more. In, they each seem to become more and more insidery, and we need to. And almost all of them, almost all of them are are, are subscription based. Um, and the question is, uh, are we going to be able to find a model where uh, um, media entities are actually going to get in front of the eyes of the public and 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 the voters? Uh, because yeah, the uh, the three of us, excuse me, the four of us may be maybe may reading Punchbowl and Puck and Semaphore and so forth, uh, just as like, just as we read um, um, Politico and the Times and the Washington Post and the New York Post and, and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, the, the average voter is, they may be, they may be reading the, the Times, they may be reading the, the, the Post or, the, or the, the Daily News, but they're not seeing these other, uh, seeing these other entities um, around. What yeah. really needs to be, there needs to, there need to be more resources um, to get uh, news news gathering and reporting uh, back down to you know back down to the local uh, to, uh, to to the local level and 
and I, I, I'm just gonna put this out there. Uh, if you go back to the, the founding of the country, um, news entities, uh, organizations and so forth were actually um, uh, connected to the parties of the time. They were they, they were they were Federalist paper. They 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 were they were literally Federalist newspapers uh, and anti-Federalist newspapers and so forth. And and it's like the 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 the, the political uh, will of the time thought it was important to educate their supporters um, and and you know dig up dirt on the other side, but also promote some of the, the, the some 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 of their ideas. And uh, ironically, maybe. Maybe we should th think about going back, you know, going back to the future and saying um, maybe the, uh, you know, the, the, the local Republican Party and the local Democratic Party and the local Green Party and the Working Families Party, maybe they should start, you know, publishing the, their own, you know, their own newsletters and start trying to, you know, push that out, um, you know, push that out into the into, into the into the broader landscape and uh, and see if that starts um, uh, informing the public. I'm not happy about that idea. Well, well yeah, I know, I, I know it's, I, I know it's risky. I know it's, I, I know it's out there. But look, you know, they already do it, and, and mean, it is happening. Look yeah. at your email box. Look at your email box. You get their newsletter just about every day. Hey, this is but our the stuff that the stuff everything. that most of the stuff that they're most of the stuff that they're pushing out there right now um are is it's it's all it's all about fundraising and it's like terrifying people saying you know send me more send me more money so 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 and so doesn't get into it but i'm actually talking about like actual um you know information information get information gathering and even if it's you know even if it's a you know if it's a far, if it's a conservative uh, uh a conservative newsletter that doesn't like what the mainstream republican newsletter is is is, is putting out and is digging up dirt on them, you know, so much, you know, so much, so much the better. I mean, we sometimes we see that on national issues, you know, uh, national National Review will put out a story that will uh, uh, that will take apart take you know take take apart some some Republican candidate uh, in terms of a scandal or, or so forth. Maybe that's what we we need more of at the local level too. Well, and okay. I go ahead. I would just send a cautionary note to say that uh, both on the left and the right, there there has been a proliferation of uh, sites that masquerade as news sites. Oftentimes, have names that, you know, the the you know Anchorage Advocate or yeah, whatever, yeah. and uh, and and they're basically derided, you know, by a lot of us uh, in media circles as pink slime news sites that uh, are you know presenting themselves as news when in fact they are. Uh, really, just partisan house organs or or you know mouthpieces or, or whatever the case may be. So there's probably a way to do it, and then there's the way that it's being done, and the way it's being done uh, can be a little bit scary at times or very misleading, especially to news consumers who are not necessarily aware of the underpinnings of of what they are. Mm -hmm. But if you'll indulge me for just a quick moment, I know we're we're relatively short on time, but. Um, I just want to offer up a kind of a tale from the uh, the trail of a of a man who could have been George Santos but wasn't, and but for the work of news reporters doing shoe leather reporting, we could be talking about him right now in the same context of a George Soros, and the man I'm referring to is J.R. Majewski, and J.R. Majewski was a Republican candidate running for the U.S. House in Ohio. It was an incredibly tight race. He was running against. Marcy Captor, who ultimately won, 
And uh, she's one of the longest serving representatives in the U.S. House, uh, kind of a middle of the road Democrat who, uh, by redistricting, she was thrown into mm -hmm. a new district with him. Um, to toot insider's horn, we came out with a story in August that demonstrated as part of our ongoing series about stocks and the personal finances of lawmakers that Jared Majewski had failed to basically reveal anything about his personal finances as he was required to do by federal law. Uh, we called him on it. Uh, we asked him, you know, a thousand questions under the sun. We got uh, non-answers, conflicting answers. And it really just, you know, led us to discover him as somebody who just seemed to be a little bit off. And, and then that led to a whole variety of other things that ultimately sunk his campaign, including some incredible reporting by the AP about misrepresentations he had made about his military service, despite the fact that he was running as, as a veteran and somebody who cared about the troops, uh, but yet was effectively lying about it. Uh, so, you know, the Toledo Blade locally did some good work, and there were a whole variety of news organizations that ended up like picking apart this tale that he had weaved for himself, this mystique around who he was, and it all just ultimately fell apart. And Marcy Kaptur won, and she won pretty handily too in the end. And the uh, national race party, that he could have won. And the important point point there is the the National Party basically got him so embarrassed that they basically they abandoned him, and uh, and and that and that cut him off. Yep. And, and that's the and, and that's kind of the important that still shows the importance of uh, of the of of the press to you know to actually um, shine a light on some of these things. And the moral of the story is that if you are a local reporter, then you know basic blocking and tackling for candidates who you don't know, you know, doing backgrounding on them, asking questions, doing that shoe leather reporting. And if you're a news consumer, since we're speaking to news consumers right now, you know, ask these questions of the journalists that you know and you work with, and in your local news organization, write in. I mean, there this is a not just even a two-way street, but you know, multi <laughs> multi-street intersections and how you know news can get tips can go to reporters, reporters can communicate back to readers. This is a a contact sport here and play it as such if you want to get good results uh, from your news organization. And uh, one one other quick thing speaking specifically like of, of, of Santos, you know, uh, we we at a national level uh the media has becomes kind of so focused on you know uh, uh, ideology uh, and 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 quote issue quote issues that they don't do the necessary um, like just basic background uh, analysis or vetting of the of the of the candidates. You know, it's not just whether they're it's not what just the, what their issue is on you know on on abortion or taxes or or what have you you know is is what they say they are actually what what isn't what is in reality um, and and that and that's 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 that kind of stuff is important as well now that may explain why how convoluted george santos background was and to that when i look back, when i look at it now I say, okay, what journalist is going to sit down and try to dissect this? Because it was kind of a moving target for a long time too. He kept adding and embellishing. So I can understand how it kept kind of moving the needle between who was responsible for really checking out different aspects of what was going on in his background. Mm -hmm. But now we are running close to time and I want to wrap up um, with asking you, not, not only give me a couple of key people we should be keeping an eye on for this next year, but also if you had unlimited resources, 
back like it was in the old days. What story would you do that you've been wanting to do? So who wants to start with that? Uh, well, I, I will, um, uh, on, the first, on the first question, um, person to keep an eye on is the, uh, is the, is the, uh, uh, is the governor of Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, particularly over the, uh, I, I think the the Florida legislature, Florida legislature meets. I think for two or three. I think for two or three months, it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of um, measures uh, that he that he signs into law. What kind of things that he he sees as uh, potential uh, potential red meat um, to to send a signal. To the to the to, uh, to the to the to the Republican Party, uh, and shows that he is somebody who is active and working on things and getting and getting things done, as opposed to the former president who is you know off to the uh, off to the side. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of focus on on seeing um, seeing, seeing the governor right there. Um, and as for uh, uh, unlimited uh, unlimited resources. I think I'm going to punt on that one for right now. <laughs> Come back to me if, if there's still time. Already. Well, I, I will. I will start and say I'm not going to give Dave Leventhal my idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will take a pass on that part too. But I will. I will say that that I, I think that uh, we're going to be very focused on what's going on in Congress because I think that's going to have a big impact very possibly on Americans' lives over the next year. Uh, there's some very crucial votes coming up and we don't know how they're gonna go. There's a potential for a government, partial government shutdown uh, sometime this summer over the uh, debt limit. There is uh, serious discussion by the Republicans of doing a, a, putting on severe breaks on federal spending, starting with uh, uh, removing, you know, uh, the money that was passed to increase the number of IRS agents. There was about $46 million billion that they were gonna, that, that uh, Congress approved for that. That's their, one of their first items on their agenda is to remove that money. Now, what's the problem with that? It's like starving the government of money as a way of shrinking government. And that goes way back to the Reagan era, right? And that's what they're gonna be doing. So, I mean, there's gonna be things that will have big impacts on people. And uh, uh, a notion of shifting from federal to local kind of spending. Okay, Dave? Well, I'll, I'll be an open book at my own risk. I, I would say the person who is worth keeping an eye on is uh, Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, for two reasons. Number one, governmentally, He's going to be really the uh, the the lead official in terms of implementing what has been a massive, massive, massive amount of infrastructure development that we're going to have in this country. So he's going to be playing a very pivotal role in, in making sure that that money is put to use as intended uh, and that the projects ultimately get done that have been funded by Congress and signed into law by Joe Biden uh, on a political front. Joe Biden has a big decision that he's going to be making pretty soon, whether to run for president or not run for president. If he decides not to run for president, and I think if you're a betting person, put your money on him running for a second term. But if he doesn't run uh, or if something were to happen where along the line and months down the road, he, he had to withdraw 
uh, then uh, there will definitely be a massive question as to whether Kamala Harris will just simply be coronated the Democratic nominee or if she will have a fight on her hands and Pete Buttigieg might be the person who could give her some political trouble. So a lot of if, ends, and buts there, but uh, you know, somebody who is not going to go away anytime soon and could very well be running for president of the United States in you know, 2052 or 2060, and that would not be crazy given the fact that presidents of the United States are, are running in their 70s and, and 80s now. Uh, a story that quickly would have been written years ago that was written today, I mean, that's a hard one. I mean, I might have to go to something that we actually worked on a few months ago, which was the age of Congress and the age of government, uh, the gerontocracy, if you will. And uh, I think we saw a major development when Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer uh, and James Clyburn, the all of three, the top three leaders of the Democratic Party in the House, they stepped back uh, from their positions and basically mm -hmm. said, we need to usher in a new generation. There is definitely a kind of a uh, pivot point that, that we're having right now in a discussion around age and experience in government for better or for worse uh, that is uh, is very compelling. And you have somebody like Maxwell Frost of Florida, a Democratic uh, representative who just came in. He's 25 years old. I think he's just about turned 26 now. He's the first Gen Z member of Congress. So we definitely have a new generation and new generations uh, coming up where uh, the silent generation and even the baby boomers, uh, their their time is is limited uh, in power right now. You know, right. just, just, just for the record, I just want to say Joe Biden said he is running. The big question is, will he withdraw that? That's okay. And and and, and Dave, Dave's generational point, you know, also uh, you know impacts uh, uh, comes into play in the in the DeSantis uh, issue as well. I mean, he's in he's uh, he's in he's in his mid forties, uh, and and obviously Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden um, are not. The Fair Media Council is a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization advocating for quality news and working to create a media savvy society. For more information about the Fair Media Council and upcoming Fast Chat shows, check out fairmediacouncil.org. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.